Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor J.P. Troyo here. So glad that you're joining us today on our podcast. You're about to hear a message today from our weekend encounter. Uh, I pray that this message uh, encourages you, inspires you, and pushes you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to stay on track with what's going on at the church, we'd love for you to download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, or visit us on our website, www.oasischurchchicago.com. I'm praying for you, we're believing for you, and we trust that God's gonna continue to do great things in your life. God bless you. Now here's the message today. I'm so glad you're with us this morning here at church. Uh, we've been going through a series called A Move, uh, studying the book of Acts. My name is Pastor JP, and it's such an honor, thank you, um, to have each and every one of you here this morning. If you've been with us through this series, uh, I, I don't know about you, but for me personally, it's been powerful. It's been encouraging. Uh, Pastor Andrew brought an amazing word last week. If you were not here, check it out. Um, but every week, I just believe more and more we're going to get better and better, and we're going to grow deeper and deeper. Amen. And the first uh, couple books of Acts, it's all about the testing and the trials and the, and the equipping and the building of the church of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit came as promised by Jesus that the Spirit would come and fill and move and build His church, and it happened, and it's still happening today. Amen? And as I dwell on that thought this morning, um, I was away this week and um, had some time to go spend uh, some time down in, in Jacksonville with some, some uh, I, I will say this, their new friends. Um, and people that uh, have just become immediate friends down there. And um, I was there, and it was a church conference for church leaders. Um, but it was a different conference than most, uh, maybe if you grow up in the church or you follow out of the churches in the evangelical world, you'll see like bright lights and big sounds and all that stuff. It wasn't this kind of conference. Um, it was a, hey, I want to encourage leaders and pastors um, in, in ways that I, I believe uh, God really wants to do and, and move in his church to the leaders. And so um, full transparency, can I be honest this morning? Can I, all, all of us? Yeah, just because in case one of you don't say yes, right, right, I'm just kidding. I'm still going to be honest. Um, I got wrecked. And um, in a good way, in a God way. If you've never been wrecked by God, I pray you get wrecked by God. <laughs> you're like, don't pray that prayer over me. No, actually, I'm going to pray. If you're saying that right now, I'm going to pray it even more over you. But I was just wrecked and taught and learned a lot about God's heart and a lot about who he is. But I, I was sitting at a session, and we were there with a couple of the guys from here. And um, one of them pulled their phone out, and he was looking at the map of Chicago as he was journaling. And I looked at the map, and I was like, yo, what are you looking at? And he said, oh, I'm looking at Chicago. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And I was like, hey, um, what, what, what do you, zoom in on that, and he zoomed in on where it said, um, Pilsen, Pilsen, the neighborhood we are in, which I have fought with God for many, 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 many days, of why in the world are we in this neighborhood, I thought when we came, we were supposed to be a little bit more north, and here, and this, how many of you know God's plans are greater than my plans, and this is his church, not my church, amen, and I zoomed in, and I'm going to get to my message in a second, it goes back to God building and equipping the church, it's part of what we're learning, and, um, in the picture, it said Pilsen, and underneath of it, it said something so profoundly impactful that my wife, when I shared this with her, she said, I've been trying to tell you that. I've told you that before, and I said, God kept it from me, or maybe I just wasn't listening, because you're amazing, and you're awesome, and you are beautiful, and I thank you that you hear God for this church. And so she said, I've been telling you this, and underneath the Pilsen, it said, Heart of Chicago. It said the heart of Chicago, and I was like, what? <laughs> That's been there this whole time? 
I got an apartment. We, when we first moved here, we got an apartment that faced Pilsen, and I was on the sixth floor, and I was like, facing train tracks. I lived, we lived under the BNSF rail trains. Like, it was the worst. But I would sit on my porch and I would pray in the direction of this way and pray and believe for great things in the city. And what would you know it that we were facing the neighborhood that God would have us be for now coming upon, what, a year and a half? And then I read that little thing and it says, the heart of Chicago. And I was like, wow, we're dead center in the heart of Chicago. And then the next day comes and Wednesday night comes and one of our overseers of the church, Pastor Tim Timberlake, preached the message down there and wrecked the whole place. God moved and I ran. You ever run, church kids, you know, you see the people like when the altar call happens, they're like the first ones up like, like I'm getting the best spot at the altar. I trust me, it's a church thing. Like, in the, like I didn't care who was next to me. I didn't care who was around me. I beelined it. And I got in my face and the Lord worked on my heart. And he worked on my spirit and he said, hey, remember what you saw yesterday? The fact that you're in the heart of Chicago? He said, Jay, there's a weight on this church that you thought you knew, but you don't get it yet. What happens in your church will pump out the goodness of me to every avenue, every neighborhood, every street, every person. Because where I positioned you, church, is the right spot for a time like this. We are in the heart of Chicago and what flows out of this church. And guys, it's not a building. It's you. What flows out of your life will influence every avenue, every street, every neighborhood, every block, every business in the name of Jesus. And how many of you know that it is only God that can orchestrate something like that? That we are here for a time like this to be the heart of God in the heart of the city and to flow out. This is not about my agenda. Rachel and I don't care. This is about the heart of God. And I think sometimes along the way of planting a church and organizing a church and trying to see a church take ground in a city, man, I can't tell you how many people there were like, you planted where? We're like Chicago. They're like, y'all nuts. Y'all stupid. I was like, I know. (laughs) It's a crazy town. It's a crazy city. But how many of you know we have the answer? And his name is Jesus. And we are going to see this church flourish, not because it's going to build a name of Oasis, it's going to build the name of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage us this morning, if you call this place home, strap in. Buckle the seatbelt. Better yet, get committed even greater. Because we're going somewhere. And we're going to do some stuff that is only in God's orchestrating. Amen? I need to share. I think maybe five of us have faith in this room this morning. How many of you want to try that again? How many of you want to buckle and strap in, get ready to go where God has taken us to places and spaces? Come on. We need to give Jesus some praise in this place that he is good and he is worthy and that he's going to do things in and through us that we can't imagine because that's who he is. And so I was reading that and then I was hearing that and then I was on the plane back and writing my message and I titled this message this morning, A Move, Danger, Ahead. Someone say next to the person next to you, there's danger ahead. Well, I thought the church was supposed to be encouraging. <laughs> oh, it is. This is going to be a good message. Danger ahead. I'm going to preach out of the book of Acts four, uh, chapter 4 here. If you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read a couple different pieces of scripture as we go along. I'm going to teach on these points. But danger ahead. You've seen the signs, right? Anybody ever driven somewhere or been walking somewhere and there's a sign that says, hey, danger ahead, be careful, be cautious? Anybody in the room this morning on that? Seen that before, right? For some odd reason, when my wife sees those signs, she's like, let's go. 
Like whatever's, uh, we're at the Grand Canyon and, you know, the, it's a Grand Canyon. Like it's not a little small, little dip into the ground. Like it's a steep drop and they have railings and things that says don't go past the railings. What does my wife do? Let's go across the railings. I'm just the wise one. I said, we can't do that. But you jump over and you go for it. But how many of you know that there are signs in life to keep us from doing things that would hurt us? Right? Like people have set up things that are like, hey, don't drive down this road because at the end of this road, it's, there's a cliff. Or, hey, hey, don't go in this area because it could harm you. Right? There are signs in this life that catch our attention to help us. Right? But how many of you know this is to be true? That there are signs in life that say danger ahead, but they are a distraction from the evil one. What? There are signs in life that I've come to know, come to be true, that read in my spirit or I see with my eyes. They may not read it necessarily, but they're there. And it says, danger ahead, JP. Don't go there. But it's a distraction from the evil one. And I read this passage of scripture that we're going to read here together. And I wonder... How many of us, after Peter and John prayed and laid hands on a lame man and he raised up and he walked into the temple in chapter 3 and he showed the world how he was healed, right? If you were here, Pastor Andrew spoke that so clearly. It was amazing. And right then and there, after the miracle, now they are about to face a major trial, a major danger that is ahead. And they're standing there in the midst of this trial, in the midst of what appears to be dangerous, and they're going to go Oh, we got to get out of here. We got to go. We got to exit as fast as we can. No, what they do is say, no, we're going to stand strong. We're going to stand firm. Because what may seem to be ahead is not what God's telling us is ahead. How many of you know you need to start listening to the voice of God for what's ahead for your life and stop letting voices of others tell you what's around you for and ahead for your life? The vo- Let me say this. Whatever's speaking into your ear, you're going to listen to. And you're going to believe. You got friends whispering in your ear telling you some crazy stuff. They're not your friends. It's a really good place. So, so there's, there's areas of life where God says, don't go. But I think that there have been a lot of areas in our lives where we've said, well, God's telling me not to go there because if I go there, it's going to get hard. If I go there, it's going to get messy. If I go there, I, I'm not going to have all the friends that I had. Hey, if I go there, I'm not going to have the relationship that I had. But I'm here today to tell you that there is danger ahead, but there is a promise that is with it. And the promise is this, is that Jesus is going to never forsake you. He's never going to leave you. He's going to call you to great and mighty things. This is who we serve here at this church. So there may be danger ahead, but these guys didn't run for the nearest exit door. They didn't try to escape danger ahead. They didn't try to run out when it got hard. Some of us, the moment we feel pressure, the moment we feel tense, the moment we feel hardship, we run. Get me out of here as fast as I can. And I ain't looking back. I wonder today if we can build some faith. I'm getting here. I wonder today if we can build some faith, some deep faith that says this, danger doesn't dictate the message that we carry. Danger does not dictate the message that I carry inside of me. And that message is Jesus, always only Jesus. There's nothing else to carry. I'm wondering today if we can be a church that is going to carry the message of Jesus Christ in the midst, in the face, in the face of adversity, in the face of danger, because danger will not dictate my message, our message. Amen? I think too long the church has shrunk back because people don't come into their doors. They didn't make it too tasteful for them. They didn't make it cool enough for them, right? I get methods of churches. I get methods of things. I get, I get things, right? I get that we have cool videos and all that stuff. But our message will not change in this church, and that's Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ can heal. Jesus Christ can restore. Jesus Christ can mend the broken. Jesus Christ can release the addicted. Jesus Christ can do things that we can't even comprehend. And that is the message we're going to carry even in the midst of danger that is ahead of us. Because guess what, guys? We are in a city that is hard. We are in a city that seems to be dark. We are in a city that people don't want the church today here. We are in a city where they're going to tell us to be quiet. And today, more than ever, we're going to look at them and say, we are not going to be quiet about the message of our God because he has saved us. He has released us. He has restored me. He has done things in me that no person ever could do. So I'm going forward in the midst of adversity. I'm going forward in the midst of danger. And so I'm going to read Acts 4, 1 through 22. I want to teach on it. It says this. Pastor, you haven't gotten to the Bible yet. Well, we're here now. How can you start preaching without? Anyways. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus' name the resurrection of the dead. When you start telling people that Jesus raised to life, you're going to get their attention. Yeah. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men grew, who believed grew to about 5,000. 5,000 people got saved because Peter and John wouldn't back down. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them and saying, By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, everyone say the next word, filled. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. Then know this. Because if you're asking how this happened, know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom you've crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. From this man stands before you healed. Jesus is, and then he quotes past Old Testament, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. Let me say that here at this church. There is only one way to heaven, and it's Jesus. Salvation is found in no other way, no other name. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Is this so good? Can I keep reading some scripture? Can I read the Bible? Okay. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. I love that. <laughs> when God is with you and danger is ahead and people try to come at you, God's standing right next to you. Let them throw all they want at you, but they're going to look at it and go, I don't think I could touch this person. Anyways, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then confirm together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again, Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, this is awesome, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. I mean, like, it doesn't get better than that. Like, what's, what's right for us, to listen to you, man, or God, creator of me? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot keep help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculous healed was over 40 years. Okay, that is a story. And we're going to continue in the story. 
But as I think about where we're going and what God's calling us to do and what God's calling you to do as individuals or as families, as, as, as couples, what God's calling us to do is to step forward, to step forward. In the midst of danger, in the midst of, of the city, in the midst of all the stuff that could come against you, he's calling us to step forward. And as he's calling us to step forward and take on the things, just like John and Peter did, he's calling us and he's telling us this, that anointing, mm, anointing, we got the first point, anointing shatters status. Anointing shatters status. I'm a sports guy and I've seen so many people that were incredible college athletes, incredible, never make it to the next level. And yeah, the next level is like 1% of people make it there, and that's, that's a really an elite thing. But, but the reason why some of these people, they may make it into like the preseason, and then they get cut. They may make it for a moment, and then you don't hear from them again. Oftentimes, why that happens is because they don't have the character to back up the talent. I'm going to teach here. The anointing of God builds character in us. The anointing of God builds truth in us. The anointing of God builds us to be able to stand on two feet. It doesn't call for the men to be educated. It doesn't call for the men to have all the degrees. If you have degrees, that's awesome. Would you know it that I actually have a master's degree? Who would have thought? Your boy made it after a long time. He doesn't say like, hey, you got to have all the scripture memorized from front to back. It didn't say that. It said that these men had been with God. These men had been filled with the Spirit. These men were ordinary men that had character, that had truth, that had anointing on their lives. Because when you're anointed, guys, and now listen, let me say this as as a disclaimer. You walk out of this church and you start saying, I'm anointed and you're not, yo, just don't let that happen. Let me tell you in a politically kind, nice way. That's pompous, and that's prideful. The anointing of God on your life is not to show the world that you're anointed. It's to show the world who Jesus is. Okay, so, so, so anointing, anointing shatters status though. When there's danger ahead, guys, how many of you know that there have been many people in this city that have looked at us and said no to us? They've looked at us and said, there's no way you're going to be able to do this. There's no way you're going to be able to do this. And those people, bless them, I love them. But they're people that we would look at and go, they have status. They have the, 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 the high castle, the high towers. They're, they're the ones dictating, demanding the city. I remember when we walked into this building. I remember it was me and Pastor Jordan. We walked into this thing like we were meeting at this little tiny school. And I was like, whoa, what are we doing here? All the graffiti. I see all your Instagrams. Y'all are scouring this building, like snapping everything. It's a cool building. It's not ours, but it's, it's a really cool space. And I remember walking in going, man, how are we going to be in this space? How are we going to do this? What's going to happen? There's no way. Like, there's no way. No way. And I remember going, and we met the owner of the building who, let me just say this. Let me just say this in, 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 in this. It's on the podcast, so I guess it's going everywhere. Um, but he is a man that runs the city. The best way to say it. Okay? He's a man of status. And I remember walking in and feeling like this, feeling very small. Like, oh, we are un- like, oh, we're unworthy <laughs> to be here. And I remember the Lord, like, rebuked me. He said, Jay, you have my spirit inside of you. You have me with you. I walked in this office before you walked in this office. 
I stepped into this place before you even saw this place. And what happened was, is I remember me and, me and Pastor Jordan were standing there, and he's like, how much do you want to pay for this place? He's asking us how much we want to pay for this place. How many of you know that does not happen in the city of Chicago? They're like, this is how much you're going to pay, and it's going to be a lot of money. He goes, what can you do? And you could see the confusion on his mind, like in his eyes, like, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm saying this. I'm on, you guys want to have mass here? Yeah, we want to have mass here. It's awesome. Like, the anointing of God crushed what was going to happen by his status. It shattered status, and it put us in a position to be anointed to see God move here in this building here today. Guys, when you are anointed, ordinary people that are touched by God, you're unstoppable. The world can't hold you down. Like, you cannot be held down when you are anointed by heaven. It shatters all level of status. I can't tell you how many opportunities I've been invited to to go speak to groups of people. And I get the call, and I'm like, why am I going to talk to these people? <laughs> like, like, I went to a, a, um, a, a, a company in the city, and I called them all, like, I don't even know. Matt, what did I call you guys? Like, stylist of hairdressers or something. Like, it was a room of 120 people, and I'm all across the country. Come to here. Like, I got the invitation. What am I going to talk to him about? How to cut hair? No. The anointing on my life called me into, and this is not a prideful thing, called me into that room to tell him about Jesus. And even in that room, and even in many rooms, and I believe this for each and every one of you, when you start to walk into rooms, the anointing is going to go before you, the anointing is going to be behind you, the anointing is going to be next to you, and you're going to be able to preach and teach and speak words of life that are going to change circumstances. They're going to bring freedom. They're going to heal people. They're going to give sight to the blind. They're going to make the lame walk. The danger that was ahead of them. See, okay. Okay, the man stood now before these high priests, these, these men, these officials that basically ran the country. They were the religious leaders. They were the same dudes that wanted to kill Jesus and thought they were successful in it, and they weren't. And now they're trying to figure out, yo, why is this happening still? How is this happening? They wanted to fix it. They wanted to resolve it. Jesus wouldn't let them. But how many of you know, if I'm standing before them, and I'm Peter and John, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. It's cool, guys. Like, I healed one guy. I'm good. I won. Come on, pack up the bags. We're going home. But they did not let danger dwindle their determination. Some of you need to look at danger and you need to say, whatever is in front of me, my God's greater. Whatever is coming, my God is for me. Whatever is ahead cannot harm me. Whatever is ahead, well, hey, you know what? I may go through the fire, but I ain't going to be burned. Hey, I may smell like smoke, but I ain't burned. How many of you know that God is for you, God is with you, and when the anointing falls on your life, the status of what is around you shatters. Shatters. Danger may be ahead. But the anointing of God was greater. So, okay, how do you get anointed? Anybody thinking that today? As I'm reading this, I'm like, well, God, how do I get anointed? You know? <laughs> Let me say this. First thing. Nearness. Nearness to God. Listen, I'm not telling you to go pray and ask for the anointing of heaven. I'm just telling you to go get close to God. And when you get close to God, when you get near to God, the anointing of God falls on your life. Some of you are trying to walk into places and spaces that you think God's calling you and you're failing because you have not spent time with God enough for him to anoint you then to walk into those spaces. I'm preaching this morning. To walk into those spaces and places that he's called you to go because you haven't been near to God. Listen, guys, nearness to God. Let me just say this. I love you all. But nearness to God is not the verse of the day on the Bible app. Can I say that? 
Like nearness to God is not just, hey, listen, if that's where you're at today because you just got saved, we're rejoicing with you. Listen, don't hear anything else. We're rejoicing with you. But you've been coming to church five years and you're reading the verse of the day and you're wondering why your life's chaotic. Get near to God. And watch the anointing. Is this encouraging us this morning? Get near to God. Nearness brings the anointing. Love Jesus enough to spend time with him and be like him. Pressing on towards Jesus, Philippians 3. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, Matthew 5, 6. The scriptures don't lie, and they're not going to start today. Get near to God and watch the anointing fall in the life so that when you think that danger's ahead, he's going to anoint your steps. The second thing that helps us get anointed, that brings the anointing on our lives, is loyalty. Oh, man. See, God's going to put you in some testings. This is in my notes. God's going to put each and every one of you in some testings. Not to, how do I? Because he wants to know where you stand with him. He wants to know if, hey, danger comes, are you exiting? Hey, if you get in a circle of people and they start talking about Jesus and they start bashing the church, are you going to be loyal to Jesus? Or are you going to fall in line with the people? Are you going to fear man more than you're going to fear him? Hello? Loyalty is not just being loyal when, you, when, when it's called upon. Loyal being loyal, loyalty is when you are being loyal when it doesn't make sense, when it doesn't feel good, when it doesn't feel right. Are you loyal to God? And as your loyalty builds to God, the anointing of heaven, God looks down and says, I can use that person. I can use that one. They didn't fall in the midst of people telling them they're crazy to go to church. You know how many times people told me I'm crazy to go to church? A lot. And it's awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. Because I get a chance to talk to them then. Yeah, I am crazy. Woo! <laughs> they're like, yeah. I'm like, you want to be crazy too? Because it's a lot more crazy fun over here than it is crazy fun in that world that you've been living in that's trying to eat you up, spit you, chew on you, and spit you out. Anyway. I... Wow. The anointing of God. Nearness. Loyalty. You know, D.L. Moody started school here. Amazing man of God. And as he was a young boy, I'm going to say this, we're moving on to point two. He was talking to one of his mentors, and it says that he heard a friend say to him, Hey, D.L., the world hasn't seen a man fully consecrated to him. And it struck D.L. Moody as a young man. If you don't know D.L. Moody's story and you just see the school and you think he just built a school, he did way more than that in this city. Revivals happened in this city. People's lives were changed forever in the city. And D.L. heard the guy say, I don't know of a, I don't know of a man that has fully consecrated himself near and loyal to God. And D.L. Moody said, A man... Any man could do that. Like any guy can do that. Any woman could do that. Anybody can get close and be near to God. Anybody? Not an educated man. All God's looking for is just a loyal person. Well, then guess what? I'll be that person. Maybe you need to get over the fact that you don't have educational training. Maybe you're scared to go tell your neighbor about Jesus Christ because you don't know how you're going to get the words out right. Guess what? When you don't know what to say, it says the Spirit will give you the words to say. You just got to step up and say some stuff. Right? Let the Spirit of God speak to you. You don't need to have the pastoral status on your life. You are a pastor because you are a Christian. You are a follower of Jesus. And so in that, you are a disciple and you're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is this helping y'all today? There's some stuff ahead that we're going to take on and we need to know that we need the anointing of heaven more than any status. I don't want status in this place. You know this about me. It's a really cool church. Well, it's not that cool. It's actually super overrated with a very underrated message of Jesus Christ. Okay, anyways, you all are quiet today. Let's continue. Have your Bibles? Acts 4, 23 through 31. 
On the release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Facing danger shows those closest to you how to live. Oh, what did Peter and John do? They went immediately back to the people that they knew, their family, their community. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And then he quotes another psalm. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed. They did what your power... They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled once again with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So if we know that nearness to God and getting close to God and loyalty to God brings the anointing on our lives, then we get the incredible opportunity to say this, that power fills us to speak against our problems. Guys, can I be honest? Some of your problems are screwing them a lot more than God at you. And you're letting it. You're letting your problems yell more than you're letting the King of Kings speak over your life. When you know that there is something ahead, when you know that there's great things ahead, what will start to happen is the evil one because he's, a, he's the king of deceiving. He just lies. That's all he does. That's all he can do is lie. And so he's been lying to some of y'all for too long and you're letting him lie to you and you're hearing the problems more than you're hearing the promise. See, power fills us to speak against our problems. Well, but it doesn't always happen like that. These men didn't just face this one trial here in Acts. You know what I mean? This was the first time we read that they were arrested and put in jail. I can't tell you how many more times they were arrested, beat, flogged, and put in jail. But what they did say is my problem ain't going to speak to me. My God's promises are going to speak to me. The word of God is going to speak over my life. Hey, I may have some stuff ahead, but guess what? My God is greater than what's ahead. My God has gone before me. He is next to me. He's all around me. Yo, King David couldn't slay a giant unless he took care of his father's sheep. He started to understand the power of God. Joshua couldn't go out and see the grapes. Hello? When everyone else saw fear, Joshua was like, no, it's actually pretty cool over there. There's massive gra-. Anyway, read your Bible because it's a great story. Right? Peter couldn't stand before a bunch of people and proclaim the goodness of God after he just dismissed God. Without the power of heaven filling them, and when filling them, They were able to speak against the things that they were facing. Is this helping? See, I've learned when there are problems in life, anytime there's crises in life, the biggest battle that we have to face is ourselves. The biggest voice we have to speak against is our own mind. You with me? Like like when I'm in a situation and in a battle, guess who I start to listen to most? D.L. Moody also said the greatest enemy to D.L. Moody was D.L. Moody. (laughs) I say it all the time, the greatest enemy to J.P. is this guy, right here. None of y'all. Me. Because I allow for the problems of this life, I allow for the things that are ahead of me, the things that are surrounding me, to speak louder than the promises that are for me. 
The promises that are for me? Oh, the promises that I'm the head and not the tail? The promises that he's, he's created a, me to be a child of God. The promises that he's gone before me. The promises to me that he's doing a good work in me. The promises to me that he's going to continue to completion. Hello, some of you, all, Pastor, you just keep saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah, because some of you haven't walked out of this place and started to proclaim the promises over your life. You're still allowing the problems to control your life. And today, it's a new day. That is dead and gone. Freedom is in this place because when we have the power, it allows us to speak against the problems in our life. David. David said to the giant, hey, giant, you're big. And all these guys behind me were just looking at the problem. But hey, giant, I serve the God of Israel's armies. Like, I serve the God of creation. Hey, so guess what, giant? I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to kill you. With the sword I don't even have yet, but the sword that's in your hand. Because the sword that's in your hand, I'm going to use to cut your head off. Because he knew the promises of God. He knew that the promise was greater than the problem that was ahead. These men understood that the problems that were ahead could do nothing with the promises that God had for them. When we gaze at the sovereign of God, we need to only glance at our problems. Three things that these individuals do. They pray. Hello? Prayer works. Prayer works. Let me tell you today in this house, prayer works. Not throwing up wish lists, but getting before the Father and letting him equip you, build you, speak over you. Prayer works. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Right? Just a rhetoric. Don't give me an answer. Someone's like counting on their fingers. Like five You know, prayer works, but we always don't hear the answers right away. I'm finishing up the bank come on up. Prayer works. We just don't always hear the answers right away. The thing about it, though, is this, is if I was asking my dad for something and I couldn't hear his voice of response, what would I do? Stop asking? No, I'd keep asking. Not only would I keep asking, I would get closer so I could hear his voice. My dad's got a loud voice. If he was in this, this house right now, like in this church, he wouldn't need a microphone. And actually, the whole six floors of this building would hear his voice. But how many of you know I would be unable to hear my dad's voice sometimes? I would call for him, and I could hear glimpses of what he was saying. Hello? This is good. Ooh, this is good. Because God's always speaking to us. He's always saying something to us. So I'd only catch a little glimpse of it. It wouldn't make sense to me, so I'd have to get a little bit closer. I'd have to get a little bit closer. I'd have to get a little bit closer. All the way up to where I could hear his voice speak the promises over my life. How are you doing with your prayer life? Hello? These people not only prayed, but they proclaimed the word of God. God, your, 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 your praise is your, 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 your answer to your problem. I believe that. But the word of God is the sword. They quoted over 200 Old Testament references in the book of Acts. Would you believe that? 200. I don't believe in the Old Testament. Well, they did. And they saw 5,000 people come to Jesus. I believe the whole word, beginning to end, is God. Hello? So proclaim the word. And then get together. It says that they, they went back to their community. They went back to their people and they shared what happened. They shared the thing that happened. Hey, guys, we were arrested. They tried to shut us down. Guess what? We're going to get louder. What? Guys, whoa. No, no, we're going to get louder because we know what Jesus is up to. We've been filled with his spirit. We've been praying. We've been seeking the Father's heart. We're filled with power. So guess what? The anointing's on our lives. So guess what? They may want to imprison us. They got nothing on us. We're going to move forward. We're going to go greater and do greater things than even Jesus did. Hey, guess what, guys? 
This is what happened, and this is what we're all going to do. And everyone, I guaranteed in that room, was like, we in. We in. We here. Let's do this. Because if it's going to reach lost souls, how many of you want to be a part of reaching lost souls? If you don't want to, don't slip your hand up because I'm telling you. I love you. But my hand's up. Both hands. As I'm sweating. I want to see lost souls come to know Jesus. And I need the power of heaven to fill me so I can speak. Because danger ahead, whatever. Whatever. Whatever danger. It's discerning to know what is right from God and what is right. Right? I'm not telling you to walk out here and be all wacky and crazy and take some stupid decision and like be like, well, God, you, you told me, Pastor, danger. Like it's not, it's fine. I can just do whatever I want. No, hold on. You with me? Discernment helps us know what really is danger. That's helping, God helping us to avoid something that's going to hurt us. But the thing that Satan would want to put in front of us that looks like danger, that's actually nothing at all. Hello? You with me? Third thing is this. I hope this is encouraging. Acts 4, 32-35. All the believers were, when, were in one heart and mind. That's it. That's all I'm going to read. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. Which brings me to say this is that in order for us to go where God's calling us, in order for us to do what God's calling us to do, we need to stay in one heart and one mind together. We need to have the mission in front of us. To have community is great. Community is fun. Community is awesome. We are a church about community. Old groups are going to be rolling out here soon. And we encourage you to get in that. Wednesday nights is a part of our community. Community is awesome. I can't tell you how many times people come into our church. I've been looking for a community and I found it. And I'm like, that's amazing. Praise God. But community, just to have community is not what God called us. To get community on mission is what God's called us. Community just to have friendships, and I can text, and I can call, and I, that's great. Don't hear me wrong. That's great. If you don't have people texting you from this church, go talk to the Connect Bar. You will get five people texting you tomorrow. But just to be a part of a community, to be a part of a community, we're missing it. They were of one mind and one spirit to go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were a community on mission. We need to be a church that's on mission. We need to be a community that's saying we have one heart, one mind, one spirit, one accord. We're going after the things that God has called us to do, and we're going to do it together, no matter the danger that is in front of us. I'm closing with this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You love the kids' stories? You love the cool Bible stories? I was reading Titus' Bible. He was, he, we're praying for his salvation. That boy, man, whoo, 2 a.m., I'm like, bro, I love you. But you need to go to sleep. And he's wide-eyed, like, Dad, I'm here. Like, what are we doing today? I'm like, bro. So we have a prayer meeting, and I get the Bible out. But I was reading Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is a couple days ago. And how many of you know that all three of those young boys, in the midst of danger, in the midst of a king telling them to bow down, in the midst of the furnace getting turned up, I mean like turned up to where the men around the furnace doors were killed, not a single one of them, of the three, said, hey, Shadrach, like, yo, bro, like, I think it's time for us to bow down. Hey, Meshach, yeah, man, I think, I think we should uh, stage a coup here, and we should, us two should leave, let him go in, Abednego can go in by himself, because we out, right? How many of you would be that guy? Like, I'd be the guy, like, hey, don't, we're out, like, it's good, I'll bow down now, the, I feel the furnace, I feel the heat. I feel the danger. I'm going to bow down. That's cool. All three of them, I believe, walked hand in hand together, though. All three of them walked hand in hand together and said, hey, our God's for us. Our God's with us. Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, we ain't going to let go. 
We're going to walk right into this fire. We're going to walk right into this furnace. Because this is who God is. This is who he is. He is for me. He is with me. He is not against me. So we're going to walk into the danger that's ahead together. We need to be a church. We're going to worship. We need to be a church that is going to walk together in the face of danger. We're going to walk together in the face of adversity. We're going to walk together in the face of trials. And if you start to fall off, we're going to grab your hand and be like, no, you're coming with us. Because all of us need to walk together because we need to stay in one heart, one mind, and one spirit. And we will watch God do supernatural things in this city. How many of you want to see God do supernatural things in this city? Come on, how many of you want to see God do supernatural things in this city? Come on, how many of you believe that God is going to do some crazy things? That God is going to move in the heart of Chicago? That God is going to move in this city? That he is for us, not against us. Come on, we're going to worship him. Let me pray for you. Stand to your feet this morning.